G'day and welcome back to the My Peak Podcast, home of holistic development. Brownie, I've never been this this excited. There's a pep in the step today because we have a very, very special guest. You are very excited, Cameron. I can see the big smile across your face because today we are interviewing the great man, Jordan Silk. The great man himself, Silky, jumps on the podcast today. We do a deep dive into Jordan Silk's career, what he's done to get to the level that he is at at the moment. Yeah, from the back roads of Penrith to captain of the Tasmanian Tigers and a very important role player in the very successful Sydney Sixers. Yeah, absolutely. We do a deep dive with Silky about his role in that team, actually, and not just the role he plays, but the ins and outs of how Silky goes out and executes his role, which is what makes the Sydney Sixers so successful. Yeah, Silky has now been the captain of the Tigers for 12 months and he speaks about how much he's learned from the great captain Moses Enriquez and what he has learned and implemented into his own captaincy journey. Now, you're probably wondering how long does it take until we start talking about fielding, and that we do. We deep dive into not just what he does at training, but also the mindset Silky has, and I guarantee you'll take a lot out of that chat where Silky deep dives into how he approaches not just fielding come game day, but fielding week to week at training as well, which separates him from pretty much any other fielder that's ever played the game. Yeah, my favourite uh, part of the podcast episode today, Cameron, is when we asked Silky if he could go back to his 16-year-old self what he would put in his tool belt. So I'm looking forward to the listeners hearing that one. Awesome. So sit back, relax, get yourself a cup of coffee and enjoy this episode with the great man, Jordan Silk. Welcome back to the My Peak Podcast. Great to have the legend himself, Jordan Silk, join us today from down in Tassie. How are you, Silky? Good, thanks, mate. Uh, finally, get to get on this podcast. I know it's been a long time coming, but um, we've made it work. So, no, happy to be here. Yeah, awesome. Let's touch on straight away. You were just telling us pre-season week one down in Tassie. What's pre-season look like for you at the moment, Silky? Um, yeah, so we've um, just sort of gone through our testing week one, usually. So the first couple of days, you're sort of getting put through your paces in all sorts of areas. You've got your 2K time trial, which is the one that really gets the boys going. What'd you knock um, off on your 2K, Silky? What time did you 650, get? 650 oh, this time around. So just anything under, under seven for me, is I'm happy with. So if I can keep maintaining that, then I'm, then I'm happy. So, uh, but yeah, just sort of um, first couple of days of... Um, yeah, the week we're, we're testing and then we're sort of into our sessions now. So um, the first month looks like a bit of a fitness block. Um, mm. And then sort of from July onwards, we start picking up the bat and ball and um, and getting into our skill work from there. So um, yeah, the first month is always pretty challenging, but um, it's good to get a nice fitness base under our belts before we um, enter into the skills. Yeah, have you always like knowing that how fit you are, have you found pre-seasons get easier or get harder or are they all pretty much the same? Um, oh, very different. Um, so we sort of have these cycles that we work in. So you start in like a, an unload week, yeah. then you go to a light week, medium, and then into overload. So you're sort of always building in that four week block. So whilst your unload weeks, there's, um, maybe less sort of content throughout those. You're still working hard just for a short period. And then once you get to your overload weeks, you sort of, um, you know, you're really grinding away long sessions, um, and then sort of at the end of those periods, we get about four or five days off um, to sort of reset and then go again. So wouldn't say they're getting easier, but, um, you know, they definitely set us up well for, for what's to come. They're pretty big seasons now. So it's um 
it's good to get that base behind. Silky, the two K is something our athletes know a little bit about here at my peak. <laughs> are you um are you chasing anyone in that two K or are you leading the pack with a six fifty? Um, usually chasing. For some wow. reason this year, I actually I was the one setting, so uh, no yeah. one was able to reel me in. So I was happy with that. Had a few young pups behind me, which is a good feeling. So, <laughs> um, no, it's I'm I'm usually sort of you know third, fourth, fifth around that mark. But we have a few guys who are in England at the moment, so bit of an asterisk next to it next to that win i think um the other day so but it's good like there's yeah there's some really fit guys in our group um it is definitely the one sort of test that you know you know it almost takes me back to like the cross-country days at school and you used <laughs> to get real nervous worked up about those sort of days but it's um definitely yeah the guys the guys respond well they're good awesome all right let's jump into the first topic we'll talk about today silky and I want to touch on your move from New South Wales down to Tassie. I know you moved. How old were you when you moved, first of all, Silky? 20, 20 yeah. years old. So what was it like kind of packing up things and heading down for a new opportunity mm. down in Tasmania for a cricket chance? Yeah, I mean, looking back, I was um, I was in the UK at the time, actually playing a, a winter over there. Um, like literally went over there just thinking, I can't wait, like this will be good fun. Uh, I'll come back to Penrith, you know, I'll be buzzing, um, all that sort of stuff. And then you know, as that season went on over there, there was just sort of a few like rumours going around and that Tassie were interested. And I was like, geez, what's this all about? Like I, I hadn't really set the world on fire in first grade. Um, that's for sure. Maybe had a good back end of the year the year before. Um, but yeah, sort of, I think July time got an offer, um, a rookie contract offer for two years um, to move to Tassie. Um I mean, seriously, at the time, I was—I felt so deep in the pecking order in New South Wales. It wasn't even on my radar at that stage. Um, so it seemed like a bit of a no-brainer. Um, so pretty much as soon as I'd agreed to, to terms there, I, I got on a flight back in, must have been like the last weekend of July, first week of August. Um, and then within a week at home, I was sort of packing and, and getting ready to move down to a place that I'd never even visited before. So looking back, like it was pretty... Um, it was pretty ballsy, I think, to to make that move. Um, but I guess at the time for me, it was a no-brainer. You know, Tassie was a state that were probably performing well above expectations at that time. They had a really good uh, playing list, at, um, you know, the likes of, you know, Hilfen House, Faulkner, Doherty, Bailey. Mm. I'm probably missing a few names here as well. Um, Doolan, um, Payne, like the list goes on. Yeah. Like it was a really sort of, special time, you know, for, for Tassie cricket. Um, so just to be able to join those guys um, was something I would, I couldn't pass up. I think Bales was the captain at the time and he was a really well-respected leader um, in Australian cricket. So um, it was awesome. Uh, I love my first year down here. It's, um, it's definitely flown by, but um, yeah, I still look back at the time when I got offered it and I was like, I absolutely don't deserve this. There's um there's a lot of cricketers I think going around in the New South Wales traps that have probably turned their nose up at me getting some sort of contract but um no nah, looking back it's nice to have sort of make make it work out um the way it has and you know absolutely loving my time down here. Silky, you said that um you know it was a pretty special time for Tasmanian cricket when you sort of first jumped onto the scene there. What did those guys like your Hilfen House, your George Bailey, your Faulkners who were doing really well at international cricket at the time do for um, you know, someone like yourself, super young, fresh on the scene. What kinds of things did you learn from them straight off the bat? Uh, honestly, just being in their presence. Um, I, pr- I picked up pretty quickly, like what it takes to 
become a professional cricketer. Mm. Um, so the hours that these guys would put in, um, the intensity that they train at was probably a big one as well. Like um, I always felt like I'd trained pretty hard, but you know, you, it's definitely on another level when you when you're sort of thrown in amongst it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think just feeling out of out of my depth um, really quickly, but it sort of maybe it sped up a bit of development there. So um, yeah, I mean, it's you look back at like I look back at my grade journey, and you're always it's great when you're playing first grade cricket for Penrith. You're playing with older experienced heads like I'll touch on Luke Morrissey, Matt House and Ryan Smith, Josh Layla. So I had experience of playing with guys who were older than me um, for a few years. And so you're just getting thrown into like these guys aren't, you know, any different like around you or as people. Um, but it's just, I guess, being in that environment where you're, you're on five days a week. Mm. Um, it's a different level. They're, they're playing four day cricket. Some of them were playing tests at the time. Like I think you just got a real insight into their preparation um how they go about it um and yeah it was a, it was definitely a steep learning curve that first year seeing like how long it takes we had a pretty hard-nosed coach as well when i first moved down so if you weren't towing the line you you found out pretty quickly but it um yeah i, I was I'm, I'm really lucky to have probably landed in tassie uh, at the time that i did yeah awesome and you went on to score i can't remember the exact stats Silky, but in one of the shield finals you faced like over 300 balls how many balls <laughs> did you face Oh, 340-something, I reckon. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, I think. And then you compare that to, I know, when they were picking the World Cup, T20 World Cup, that is squad last year. They, your name was in and around that squad a lot. So, obviously, there's a lot in your career that's happened between that Shield final <laughs> and your name in a T20 World Cup. But do you want to just touch <laughs> on a few things? Maybe it's mindset, maybe it's skills, maybe it's a bit of both. But what have you done to transform your game from a shield player into a dominant T20 middle order batter? Mm. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I've been really lucky over my journey to have sort of rubbed shoulders with some, you know, really, you know, experienced players, not just in my own setup in Tassie, but through the academy, I spent some time with Mike Hussey. And I remember this one thing that he said to me that always you know, sticks true. It's like, you've got to keep, you've got to keep evolving. You've got to keep mm, yeah. moving. And, um, as soon as I found like I was standing still just doing the same thing, then that's when people would jump me or I'd miss the boat somewhere. So always trying to evolve my game. Um, and there's, I always find there's a fine line in that, um, you know, you've always got your strengths. Like you, you've sort of always got your, your nuances that you're, you're really comfortable doing. Um, but I was just, I think at times trying to find little tweaks in my game here and there to just make me make that little bit better. Um, and I've just, yeah, haven't really stopped that sort of ambition and drive to to want to try and get better in certain areas. You know, sometimes it's, you know, it's been my play of spin and, um, you know, power hitting at the death, you know, it's probably a thing that I haven't really had much of throughout my career. And, and just trying to learn little bits and pieces, little cues that I have maybe in my setup that can give me a good base to be able to do those things. Um, yeah, just, you've got to have a hunger for just learning and, um being prepared to sort of see things um you know fail a few times and then just try and be persistent with it and and back that you know at times it it will work but yeah i mean well there's so many things i you know i would definitely do differently as well at the same time i've had the time again but um yeah cricket is um it's a pretty big game around failure you know we fail a lot as as batters and and that so it definitely knocks you it can knock you around so um 
but without that, we're we're not really learning, we're not really growing. So, um, yeah, you know, whilst I've had so many failures, like George Bailey put it well, you guys, you only need two good days in a season to, mm. to walk away from having a having a good year, which is ridiculous to think of. But if you make two hundreds in two hundreds in a year, you probably look back and you go, I've had a good season, and that's mm. two good days. So you you're mm. always getting knocked around with with failure. It's just about how you're able to sort of bounce back and. And move on quickly from those things and and persist with things that you're working on. That's the, that's sometimes the hardest challenge. Silky, we talk a lot with some of our athletes about understanding roles within a team and knowing your strengths and weaknesses. You're someone who I really admire that I I found has really nailed their role. And I look particularly at the sixes. What what kinds of things do you do to maybe swallow your ego a little bit and go, nope, this is who I am. This is my box, and I'm going to really nail this role here. I mean, you know, you're very famous for the surge these days. How do you go about nailing your role and um, just sticking to your strengths in, instead of watching someone like Stoinis go out and reverse ramp here and reverse ramp there? Not that you can't do those things, but talk to a little bit a little bit about role playing. Yeah, I mean, I've had some really good mentors in my time. And I mean, I think in this mid-order role that I have, it's um, it's taken me a while to nail. Mm. Um, and I've been so lucky that I've been given a hell of a lot of opportunity to get better at it. So first from Trevor Bayless as our, as our first coach and then Greg Shippen. And I always had great chats with Shippy about batting. And it's like, yeah, I can look at these other players and think, geez, I want to be able to do that. I want to hit the ball like Tim David. I want to hit the ball like Marcus Stoinis, Mitch Marsh, these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but then even like chatting to Shippy, chatting to Moses, there's so many different ways to skin a cat. Mm-hmm. And I think in particularly in like Australian domestic T20s, the boundaries are pretty big. Like it's... um. So try and use that to my advantage a bit and, and hit gaps, run twos, and then, you know, hopefully at the back end, you pick up your your boundaries here and there. Um, I'm probably lucky in the sense that I don't really carry an ego at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll probably doubt my, I doubt my ability to clear the fence at times. So mm-hmm. it's never really been like an option in my, in my repertoire to, to think like that. So I'm probably lucky in that sense that I've just sort of had this role um, and I've failed a hell of a lot at it. Um, and it's probably only through the last few years of just really getting clarity into, all right, it doesn't have to look like Marcus Stoinis. It doesn't have to look like Tim David. I can score just as quickly as these guys and I'll do it my own way. So just having the belief that, um, you know, there are, there are other ways to do it. So, you know, I'm really big on like, you know, trying to minimize dot ball percentage, you know, like mm. just I want my scoring shot percentage to be really high and, um, you know, it might not my boundary percentage might not be that high, but as long as I'm moving the board, then I feel like, um, you know, I'm playing my role from the team. So, I mean, it's obviously like, I would love to increase boundary percentage and things like that because the game is sort of heading that way. Um, so that's another part of this evolve piece is, is where you've got to get to. But um, I, I think to answer that, I probably don't really carry an ego at all. So yeah. like I have that, I don't really have the belief that I can go out there and do what these, some of these guys are doing at, at T20 level. Yeah, walking out to bat, Silky, say you're playing in like a big bash final or just any big bash game for that matter, and the game's on the line and you're walking out batting six or five or six, what's going through your mind while you walk into the middle and, you know, going through your routines? What are a few things that you might be able to touch on that's in your mindset as a batter? Yeah, I mean, if you asked me this question 10 years ago, there would have been a lot, um, <laughs> but I've just tried to tried to narrow it down and just, it's bat people. By the time mm-hmm. I get there, it's just bat fee ball. Um, and get a, like, whilst I'm sort of watching the game, um, so you're in a lucky position at five and six. I mean, 
sometimes it's difficult. You, you're thrown into all sorts of scenarios. Um, but I guess experiencing a lot of them over time, some of them become familiar and you sort of have a really good understanding of what you need to do by the time you get there. So a lot of it is, um, and if you can do this without letting it take over too much of your mindset is to just try and you know, observe the game and understand what is, what is happening before you are required to go out there and already sort of be planning in your own mind. All right, this is probably what's going to be required here. Um, mine sort of starts before I'm even out there. I'm like, okay, what, what bat swing am I going with here? Like, uh, you know, or we're two or th- two down real early in a power play. Like, all right, okay, this is just, this is tailor-made for me, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm coming out to try and rescue the innings. This is good. This is what I'm comfortable doing. And then it just sort of changes over the course of the innings. If you're not coming until later, then you, you know, yeah, I might start running, you know, like, okay, this is what I'm going to have to get my body ready. And, you know, cause it's going to require me getting up the other end for the other bloke and things like that. So you're always trying to read the game um, whilst you're watching try and do a lot of that planning, I think, before you get out there. Um, Because if you've got a good understanding of what the game situation is, then you just go out there and try and execute as best you can. And it's not always going to come off, but like you've got to have a a good understanding of what the game requires. So I think that's probably the best bit of advice I could give is to try and, all right, what's the team need of me right now? Mm. Um, And if you can get a grasp of that before you've walked to the middle, then I think you've already won. So um it's from then on it's just about trying to trying to execute it but you're not yeah. always going to get it right yeah and what's the talk like in a little dugout there silky are you talking as a batting group <laughs> is shippy leading that is a batting coach is it batters that have already been out what's kind of like a talk around the dugout um i try and keep it pretty light-hearted uh, yeah. i like to and that might just be about being my nerves and my coping strategies is mm. i like to you know I like watching our openers bat and they hit a boundary and I like we just I just like to carry on a little bit. Just sort of I don't know if it just maybe takes a bit of the edge off me or how I'm feeling at the time. So I just try and be as natural as possible um through that period. Um the only time I really ever sort of dive into tactical sort of stuff is if, you know, we're getting late into an innings and, you know, maybe it's better off that Dan Christian goes out there than than me or something like that. Um and you always sort of see those conversations coming, which is quite funny. But um yeah, I think there's there's never really too much. I think that's the beauty of the Sixers. We've never tried to overcomplicate things and we've just tried to back guys in to go out there and perform their role, what's needed. Yeah. So, um, I mean, that's the beauty of playing in a team that's that's quite experienced and has played a lot together is that there's never too much of that panic on the bench or who's going out there, what are we doing here, how are we going to play this bowler? Um, you know, that's all sort of done pre-game and uh, by the time we sort of get to when we're in the dugouts and stuff like that, it's just about... All right, boys, over to you. Go and perform. Yeah. Autopilot. Silky, just yeah. before we dive into the recipe of the Sixers, just back to your role, which the other thing that you're super well known for is your ability in the field. Um, what kinds of things or what's the secret source to your fielding? I know obviously reps and, and putting in the work, but is there, if you could outline a couple of mindset tips for young fielders out there, what kinds of things are you thinking about when you're in the field? Um. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm constantly thinking of attacking. Mm. Um, I've never really fielded on the back foot much. I'm, I'm never thinking like, uh, if I'm, if I'm on the boundary, it's like, uh, I'm never thinking of a ball dropping over my head and going for four. Like I'm mm. just not, doesn't come into my mind. So I'm always thinking the, the positive option. Um, 
can I get to a ball that no one else can? Like that mm. sort of mindset is um, how I've sort of always approached my fielding. And yeah, it takes a lot of time, a lot of rep and um, started at a you know very young age and um, you got to love it. Like you got to want to do it, I think is, is the key thing. And I think from a young age, I love fielding. You know, I love taking hangers. You know, you watch classic catches on TV, you know, you see the best do it. You're like that. I want to do that. So I want to be able to pull those sort of things off. So it comes from a place of wanting to do it. I really want to do it. Um, and I want to be the best. So, oh, I mean, in terms of yeah, tips, my best tip would just be to keep, keep attacking. And, mm. you know, we're not going to get it right. Like I talk about failure a lot, but it's the best way to learn. It's the best way to prepare yourself is to, is to um, yeah, keep thinking of keep thinking of attacking the ball. You know, even for myself at training, if I'm not if I'm just sitting under high balls, just taking them, I'm like, this isn't this isn't challenging me enough. Mm. Move me around, move me around. Let me take a hard catch. All right, let's go. Let's go look into the sun. All right, put mm. the sun in front of my eyes. Just little things to try and make it, you know, as maybe as game specific or you know, if you can't replicate noise of a crowd, it's like, all right, we'll get the sun in my eyes and see if I can take a tough catch or. Let's take one running back over my head. So try and complete the hard catches. Do the hard stuff. Just makes getting to that game time when you when you are sitting under a high ball, it's directly underneath. You just go, okay, this is this is fine. I've taken so much harder than this in training. Mm. I've done the work. So they're probably my two things is attack. Always look to attack. Uh, take the positive option and like practice hard, play easy. That sort of mantra of, of fielding. Just quickly, do you have a favorite catch that you can think of off the top of your head? Oh, it's got to be Keyswater. Oh. <laughs> was, I don't know, that was like, for me, it was probably where uh, maybe my name first, sort of first came up Hype in BBL started. cricket. So it's, yeah, I think, um, so that was a nice feeling to, because at that stage, like I, I couldn't spell bat. Um, <laughs> I was really, st- <laughs> I was struggling and I was struggling to find my way in that team and like, I think I was batting down at like seven at times. I'm like, how am I? I'm literally playing as a fielder. So <laughs> to, to, to pull something off like that was, was really cool. I think the catch a year later um, at the SCG. Um, yeah, Chris probably degree of difficult Degree of difficulty, probably a lot harder. Um, you take a few of those ones occasionally at training, but rarely do they sort of come off in games. So that was, I think, any fielder, you know, would probably say degree of difficulty like that was potentially harder. So, yeah. but it's um, you know, silent. Nothing beat the sort of silencing of that Gabba crowd though. That was yeah. that was. Pretty cool. <laughs> so, I won't lie. Well, I remember Silky, my old man, and my younger brother. We were on our way to that game you're talking about, where you took that catch, and we we're stuck in Sydney traffic, and we were filthy that we we're missing the start of the Big Bash, and the very first <laughs> ball we walked in and saw was Greeny Sky one, and you tear in at full strength uh full stretch and take that classic and that made our night that night and made probably <laughs> 30 other thousand people night as well so obviously the classic catches are awesome to watch but they also do influence a lot of people at the games and watching on tv as well and to love fielding yeah 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 that's awesome yeah no, it's a, i definitely take pride in it it's um one thing where i know i can you know because as bad as it doesn't always go our way. So and my dad yeah. always told me this. It was a great lesson was to, you know, how can I then impact the game? You know, if I'm not making runs, how can I impact the game? Yeah. Always think about how you can impact the game. And if I'm not making runs and I'm like, all right, okay, I'll do it in the field here. Let's, let's go. So always, always carried that with me in my cricket. Well, that's true. I was picking up some clothes from 
your old man's house a couple of weeks ago and he told me that exact story, <laughs> Silky. So he's not making that up. The other thing as well, Silky, I remember I probably would have only been 13 or 14 and it was a early winter morning and Hooley was running his little Indian drill, which we did nearly every session and it could be a little bit um, well, boring for a lack of a better word at times. And I remember you jumped in on the drill one day and the intensity of the drill went from probably a two out of 10 to a nine and a half or a 10 <laughs> out of 10 straight away. And you threw a ball to me and it hit my hands really hard. And I thought, I'm on here. Like <laughs> I've got to be on. So I think the other thing to touch on too is these, what you said then. And when I hear you talk on commentary and when you're mic'd up and you're talking about those same things, I think about that example all the time. And it's actually just being able to do it every session as well. Not just when it suits you or when it's, you know, it looks good or it's fun and you can throw yourself around, but being able to be at that level and intensity mm. every session and doing it for, you know, 10 or 15 or longer years that you are now. And that's when you start to see the fruits of all the hard work. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think that's really key. Like I've always tried to prepare as best I can so that, you know, it gets to, it gets to game time and it's just, all right, you've done this, you've done the work. So I think that's, that's really key is, you know, I often, you know, carry a bit of sort of anxiety and performance and things like that. So I'm like, I'm really big on like, okay, I've got to do, I've got to do the work here. Otherwise I don't want to go out there feeling out of my depth, you know, at mm -hmm. any stage. So I'm going to, I'm going to try and put the work in to, to make sure that I, ne I never feel that. So that's, that's a really key element. And that's the Kevin Chevelle mantra too. I know you would have picked a few of those points up early 6am sessions up at Kevin Chevelle's inside fitness too. <laughs> Silky oh, mate, absolutely. The hurt locker, absolute hurt locker those. <laughs> Um, Silky preparation is something we talk a lot about here at my peak with our younger athletes and preparation for a big bash game must take a little bit of, um, what's the word Oh, practice. Um, so can you sort of talk us through how your preparation looks like, whether it's a couple of days before or the day of the game and, you know, are you someone who's maybe a little superstitious or you have some things you want to tick off or if you're a little bit more laid back in terms of preparation? Yeah, it's definitely like changed, um, over years probably my preparation. Um, it, it's cricket has become a lot more sort of individual in how we, how we prepare for games and particularly in big bash cricket, when you're sort of playing these back-to-back -back games, a lot of it's around recovery and just um, freshening up. So we always speak at the Sixers about being fresh of mind and, you know, if it's not for you that day training wise and you can't bring in the intensity, just don't, don't sort of do it. Mm. Um, really try and wait until you're, you know, you're fresh um, and ready to sort of compete at training because we want our training sessions to be hard, um, you know, whether it's in the nets or whatever or fielding sessions. We want to be able to go at the intensity. So we're really open at the sixes to like, okay, if you're not feeling it on a certain day at, at training, whatever, it's it's okay. Um, and we trust each individual that they will, you know, eventually get to a stage where they're feeling ready to get, like they'll be ready to go game day. Like it's, it's all good. So um, it's definitely changed over years. Like you used to have big gaps in the schedule, but now it's sort of tighter. Um, so it's more recovery based in terms of like my game day stuff. Um, it's probably changed a little bit over time. I actually like to stay somewhat active during the day. So I found that we've got a good group of golfers. Um, so we found a little routine last year that we were playing, you know, we sort of wake up, go and play golf at like 8am at a course, <laughs> finish, finish at lunchtime, have lunch, um 
we're in carts, obviously. We weren't walking, so we were staying <laughs> fresh that way. Um, but we'd sort of, yeah, have lunch and then we'd head back to the hotel and um, or back to where we were, yeah, if we're in Sydney playing a home game, we'd just sort of head back to the apartments there and um, eat lunch, uh, try and have a sleep in that uh, sleep in the afternoon, probably try and get at least an hour of lying down and then you know, get to the ground usually a couple of hours beforehand to start, to start preparing. But no real superstitions and just about for me getting to the ground and, and just going along with how I'm feeling, how my body's feeling and, and go from there. So recovery is something Cam and I have been super interested in lately and sort of trying to share a few tips with the athletes. What kinds of things do you mean when you speak about recovery? Is it purely sleep? Is it, you know, ice bathing? What kinds of things are you doing for recovery, Silky? Um, definitely haven't done much ice bathing. Um, I'd go probably to the beach post game. Um, mm. But it's definitely like big bash time. You, you, you're searching for sleep. Like your, mm. your games are finishing at 11 p.m. at night. Your the adrenaline's there. You're not. You're definitely. You're not asleep by two a.m. most times. So, wow. you're really trying to prioritize your sleep. Um, try and sleep in, and then you know from there it's probably try and get to get in some sort of get in the ocean, or if you know if you've got a gym that you know has plunge pools or whatever that you got there, then I'd get to those. But um, yeah, for me it's probably just getting down to the ocean, um, swim, yeah, rest up. Literally just try and rest up. Um, yeah, you got travel and things like that in, in between games too. But it's um I think the sleep is probably the the biggest thing that can really cook you if you're not getting enough of that. It's um that's probably the biggest challenge throughout BBL period is is getting that sleep in because it's not it doesn't really suit me to I like to get up early. I don't like I don't it's it's a it's a challenging time of year to sort of have to change your body clock to, you know, all right, I gotta sleep two AM to nine AM, you know, or two AM to ten ten AM and I hate losing the day. Like I just don't like it. So um, yeah, you got to definitely try and find ways around that, but it's just part and parcel of, of big bash getting playing, playing during the night that you've got to try and somehow shorten those days at times. Yeah. Awesome. I love that. That's something we talk to our athletes a lot about sleep. So it's good that they can hear that from you, Silky. Mm-hmm. Probably the last thing to touch on is now back to your cricket Tasmania is your role of captaincy down there at, um, in the shield and one day level two, do you just want to touch on like what that's been like both on the field, but then also what it's like and how it's influenced your cricket off the field as well? Yeah. I mean, I'm probably only really 12 months into the job, but it's, um, yeah, it's been, it's been an interesting year. Like, um, I found it definitely, it consumed me probably more than I thought it would. Um, in the last 12 months, I was definitely like probably fielding, more conversations with guys than I ever have before. And um feel like I learned a hell of a lot from it, Um, you know, and I think, you know, a year into it, I definitely feel like I need to probably surround myself more with, with guys who can help me in certain areas. So I felt like at times maybe I was trying to do everything. Um, mm. So it's definitely around uh, for me going into this year is trying to shoulder some of that load to some of our up and coming leaders. Um, you want everyone to sort of lead in your squad. And I'm not, I'm not really big on like, I'm not a big sort of voice. I'm sort of more through, through my actions and how I train and prepare. Uh, so yeah, I'm definitely probably going to look to be more reliant on a few of our other guys to sort of step up um, and just sort of, yeah, help shoulder the load because I think when I got to the end of the season, I was pretty cooked. So um, it's definitely something I've learned that I need to be more mindful of is to not feel like I have to, solve everyone's problems you know i've got to 
definitely delegate some of that to to some other guys and you know i think they're they're really keen to jump along for the ride but it's um i mean i probably sound like it sounds like i'm probably hating it but i actually i love it it's um it's been good fun and um it's a really it's a really proud position to be in because i don't think this opportunity has come to many blokes who have moved interstate to tassie it's always sort of been a a tasmanian that has sort of Mm. led the led the state so it's a really uh, i'm really proud to to be able to do it and hopefully um you know the next step for us is to try and you know i want to be a captain that wins something for tasmania you know that's i'm really ambitious like Mm. that so i've seen yeah i've been lucky to be involved in it but you know i want to be the one that sort of brings that you know can sort of lead that lead that success which would be um which would be an awesome way to sort of finish um you know my career down here in tassie yeah and when i talk to players about who the best captains are moses henriquez is a name that comes up a lot he's one of my probably one of my favorite players in um australian cricket what kind of qualities does he have as a captain and what are you trying to kind of take from his game and take it back down to tassie as well yeah moe's um every year i go go to the sixes it's like when he speaks, it's he's just got one of those. I know you've probably had captains in the past that you've heard listen to or coaches, and everyone just stops and it's like, okay, mm. here comes some gold, some gold. And um, I think he's always just had a really good understanding of uh, what the group need at, at a certain time. Um, so he's yeah, he's a level of care for for players, um, you know, one on one chats that he has with with certain players. I'm sure he's doing a lot more work, you know, behind the scenes than I even know as well. So, mm. um. Yeah, just one of those guys that when you when you hear them speak, you wanna you wanna listen. You wanna you feel like you're gonna learn something from uh, from hearing him talk, and uh, just find that he always seems to to nail it. Um, talks a lot around sort of mindset, and you know, like I mentioned before about being fresh for training and things like that. It's um just super well communicated guy within our group, and um, but also probably one of the hardest trainers I reckon I've ever I've ever played with incredible work ethic you know even at his age now it's um the guy does not stop trying to be a better version so mm-hmm. you know whenever i see someone like Moe have success on the field and um i always get really pumped for him because i know like how much work he's put in he's put in probably more work than than any of us so that's probably one thing that maybe people don't quite see is you know how hard that guy actually works at, at his game to to keep performing at that at that level it's it's impressive just before we wrap up, Silky, just you were someone who obviously tasted some pretty early success in their career, early first grade debut, early hundreds and contract not long after school. If if you could go back and, and put one thing in your tool belt, whether it's mental or emotional or, you know, just knowledge or skill base, what would you go back and, and throw in your pocket, say, at a 16 um, year old age of, of Jordan Silk? Yeah, you know, I wouldn't put anything skill skill wise into my game. I would completely focus all my energy towards my mental and emotional state. Um, definitely had some hurdles to jump over throughout my career, um, and I wish I was better equipped at understanding, you know, uh, understanding why I felt certain ways. Um, mm. And it would just would have helped. Like I talked about failure and handling disappointment. Um, I just would have loved to have had the tools, you know, from an early age um, on how to handle my emotions and to be okay with, it's okay to fail at times. It's not always going to work out. But if I had a better understanding of that at a younger age, um, it just makes you, uh, just means you can just ride that wave a little bit, maybe a little bit easier. 
Um, you can maybe see the other side at times, whereas times there were, I was like, where is, it, where is my next run coming from? So it's just like, you get, you know, to, to prepare yourself, um, you know, cricket's so different to a lot of other sports, you know, in that, in that sense that you've, you're constantly being knocked down. Uh, it's probably like golf, you know, you, you look at all the best players in the world. They don't, they don't win very often. Mm-hmm. So they, they're constantly dealing with failure too. So um, yeah, it's just, I would just try and go back into the, my tool bag and, and try and work a lot on my my approach yeah, in mindset and, and how to handle how to handle failures that would have been because I wasn't very good at it for a while. So that mm. would be the one thing I would I would go back. Nothing to do with any of the skill or anything like that. That is probably the number one skill I wish I had when I was when I was younger. Yeah, and that's outstanding. That's something we try and educate and give our young athletes the tools as well because it's like you would know silky it's easy to say to do it but to know what to do is actually Mm. the challenge so it's great to hear you talk about that and i know me myself picked up a few things in that podcast too silky so the athletes listening would have taken so much that they can put into their own game as well so thanks for joining us today silky good luck for the upcoming season especially with the mighty sydney Sixers, and also in your captaincy role down at tassie mate uh, awesome thanks boys love what you guys are doing too it's um it's great to hear i think um you guys are going to leave a good legacy on on the kids coming through in the in the western sydney area so it's it's awesome to see well done um you're a good man thanks silky and we'll catch you <laughs> next time on the my peak podcast <laughs>